Hello, you are listening to Delta Dispatches. We're discussing Louisiana's coast, its people, wildlife, and jobs, and why restoring it matters. I'm Jacques Hebert with Environmental Defense Fund. And I'm Simone Malaz with Restore the Mississippi River Delta. <laughs> it took you a second there, <laughs> Simone. Yeah. I was thinking, <laughs> yes, that's where I am. Um, I was thinking about, Jacques, have you ever heard the end of that song? <laughs> I have not, you know. I was in just fact, thinking that. <laughs> we should have a listening party at some point here more than the, those like 15, 20 seconds. You think seconds. it takes like a strange turn and like then, you know, doesn't sound like that song anymore? Or yeah, exactly. Check that out. <laughs> Comes in with some vocals. Yeah. So, you know, we will share the song uh, in our episode if you want to listen to the full mm-hmm. thing yourself. But Simone, I have to say I've done, we've done like 175, 176 of these shows, I just got the church giggles for the first time in the (laughs) intro. I was like, something came in my mind, like right before I was to go on and I just, I almost lost it, but I pulled it together and here we are. Um, Final episode of 2021, hard to believe. Yeah. Your first time, Jacques, uh, definitely not my first time. (laughs) (laughs) I often, I've sometimes, if I do listen back to the show, I think, golly, I'm not very serious on this show. Like I am always like, you know, cracking a joke or like giggling about something. So even, even on some of our more serious topics. So dang it, Jock, in 2022, that'll be my new year's resolution to stop laughing at some of the stuff we talk about. Simone, you need to not ever stop laughing. Like you, that is the worst, that is the worst new year's resolution ever. You bring the fun, the joy, the color, commentary, everything to the show, and you are perfect the way you are. So please don't go changing just to please me or anyone. So um, yeah, we have a good balance, you know, the the serious and the fun. And maybe my New Year's resolution is to be a little bit more fun next year. No, you got to be, you got to be our straight arrow on this (laughs) one. This show wouldn't happen without you. So please keep it on the rails, Jacques. Okay. Well, you know, I... So enjoyed our conversation with U.S. Senator Bill Cassidy last week. And that fills out our bingo card a little bit more. Right. You know, governor, senator, congressman. um, We've had the chairman on. I want to get we need to get maybe the colonel or something on um, from the yeah. We did have, uh, you know, looking back at the episodes we've had over the year, we did have folks from the Army Corps, but I believe yeah. they're more at mm-hmm. the district level, correct? Yeah, but, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it'd be good to fill that out. You know, we got to get our little uh, policy bingo card going, but yes. it's yes, been like great it. to think about the year in Delta Dispatches. I mean, you know, as mentioned, we've had a lot of our friends on the show, um, you know, folks from our coalition, but uh, you know, we had a lot of different voices on this year. We had Dr. Robert Twilley from um, LSU. We had, um, you know, Brad Laborde and Jeff Frisco, we were just mentioning on the, from the Army Corps. Um, we had folks from down the bayou, you know, Ryan Perk. And of course, we had, um, you know, folks in the aftermath of, of Hurricane Ida. Yeah, folks Dre, that, um, folks, yeah. yeah. So really good, good year overall, um, I would say. Yeah, it's very diverse. Um, you know, we we hit on a lot of topics. That's one of the best things about this show is that, you know, we talk about science, but we also talk about art. Um, we talk about people. 
talk an awful lot about oyster po' boys. Um, I, I did notice that you've been slacking off on the bird talk, so maybe we can get some of our bird friends back on. Yeah, you know, I think we'll have to figure that out. I I shall I should say though that um, I recently spotted some pretty interesting birds in my house. I had you get to different re- birds up there. Is that what happens? Yeah, yeah. We have a feeder. I saw these massive like birds that were like hanging out on, <laughs> on a telephone <laughs> pole. Yeah, exactly. And I was on the phone with our good friend and colleague Cynthia Dewey, um, who is a former Audubonner as well. And I was like, Oh my god, Cynthia, there's this massive bird on the telephone pole. And she's like, All right, I'm gonna need a little bit more description. And then we, <laughs> she of course went into like. ornithologist mode like I need to help you figure out what bird this is she was pulling up online guys (laughs) I think we settled on a red-tailed hawk so that was an interesting sighting recently yeah nice um the the extent of my bird knowledge is I saw the cutest video of a baby flamingo trying to stand on one leg so cute so cute we don't have those here that too. Um, well, I'll, I'll message you on one of our six um, platforms that we use. <laughs> <laughs> yes, one of our six to ten <laughs> platforms that we communicate on on a regular basis. Um, and I would have it no other way. Well, you know, this, as this is our last episode of 2021, which is just wild to think, you know, that this year has come and gone. And we know it's been in so many ways very challenging um, for for many folks out there. And as we head into the holidays, we're thinking about everyone and certainly thinking about this latest surge with the Omicron variant and hoping folks stay safe um, and can have like a restful, happy, peaceful holiday season. Certainly hoping 2022 can start off a little bit better. Um, But, you know, we just thought it would be the two of us and we would talk through the year, recap kind of some of the things that happened that we may have forgotten about because <laughs> honestly, May 2021 could have been, you know, a decade yeah. ago at this point, just wild to think. Um, and then look ahead to 2022. So I am excited, Simone, for the guests of this show to be ourselves and to just have a conversation <laughs> with you. Some reflection. Yes. Yes. I- I was thinking about when we talked about doing this show together, that it's kind of like um, a Christmas story, right? You know, we'll have the the ghost of Christmas past and we'll do present and we'll do future. So we'll go through each one of those, if anything, to jog our own memories about what kind of year it's been. And then to look forward um, to next year, too. I, I said this yesterday. I said it the day before yesterday. Next year is not going to slow down, um, even if if we do have, you know, um, another wave of of the pandemic or that things in our world don't slow down because of those things, shock. And so I think um, next year is just going to be another year. I, I happen to be with um, Executive Director Brent Haas at, at a CBRA event the other day, and he said, you know, I know you hear it all the time in every press release. It's the biggest, the largest, the most expensive. And and that really is just a testament to their work and their dedication there too. And so um, as some of their biggest cheerleaders and some of the folks that ask them some of the toughest questions, I feel like the same applies to us on our end, right? You know, um, 2022 should be bigger and faster and stronger and more and more expensive and um, you know, all those things. So um, looking forward to that. But but let's think about what happened this year. Um, you left me. Let's not um, we let that be unsaid is that you ditched me and you left me here. Um, you took the crappy weather to Minnesota with you. <laughs> so um, so big move for you. 
Yeah, it it well, I shall I should say that I promised you when I when I left Louisiana that I would still communicate with you every day on eight to ten different platforms. <laughs> and I think that is still the case, even though I can't see you in the office all the time, um, or you know, pop over and, and have lunch. Um I've been very grateful that we have still been able to work so closely together and stay in close communication. And I feel that way about many of my colleagues in Louisiana and family and friends. Um, <laughs> so I will say I'm looking out right now on snow covered rooftops and snow coming down. Um, and this is the part of the year that it's like, it's cute, right? Like we're going to have a white <laughs> Christmas, like Graham, Winnie and I love frolicking in the snow. Um, talk to me in like March, April, May, um, when it's still snowing and ask how I feel. But yeah, I mean, it, it has been a big move. It's, you know, I certainly, Louisiana is always home and that's where my heart is. Um, but I've really enjoyed it up here, you know, and, and I feel sort of connected in a way that we're on the Mississippi River and I feel like, oh, you're just a little upriver from you all. And I, I will get back often. I, I was back in Louisiana um, a few weeks ago and it was really great to see everyone. So because um, it was yeah. 70 degree weather when you came. <laughs> I, say, I, I ate literally every meal outside while I was there. Like, yeah, it was yes. wonderful. Um, so uh, just one question about that. Um, how's, how's your snow drive? How's that so I've had to relearn some skills um, mm -hmm. in terms of snow driving. The first big snowfall, we're like, okay, we're just hanging out for the weekend. Like we're not going to drive anywhere until yeah. the roads are plowed and everything. Um, but, you know, you learn like go very slow on those turns, you know, and you, you kind of learn to kind of just really ease into braking and, um, you know, yeah, it's it's a little scary, but I feel like those years uh, in New Hampshire and Michigan mm -hmm. kind of prepared me a little bit. Granted, I don't have my Subaru anymore, so that was a good, always a good snow car. So, so yeah, it's it's different. Um, but Simone, speaking of personal news and transitions, you made a really big change this year. Um, after 17 years leading Restore that makes me sound Retreat, old. no, that makes me sound so old. No, you were a go-getter from, from an early age. Yeah, um, right. I started as a babe. <laughs> right, yes. 17 yes. years leading a store retreat. You transitioned over to be our campaign director for Restore the Mississippi River Delta. How many months has it been at this point? A million. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, I saw Garrett the other day, too, Congressman, um, checkbox on who's been on the show. Um, and he's like, oh, I heard you got fired. I was like, yeah, I guess. I guess. Sure, that's one way to put it. Um, so, yeah, so I, I made the big jump, um, actually made the decision late summer and made the big jump um, to make myself feel better. I told everybody, oh, I'm just sliding on over into Steve's role, um, you know, just to just to smooth the transition out in my own mind. And so in the middle of October, um, after Ida, a little delay because of that, um, I became the campaign director. Um, it has been extremely rewarding so far. I'm so lucky that I was already part of this fantastic MRD family and I knew a lot about it, or I thought I knew a lot about it. And this job has just let me really get down into the weeds so much more and I have walked away already after a couple months with a total appreciation of the amazing and diverse ex expertise that we have on staff. And um, it's it's so amazing, the team that we have and, um, and the work that we do and the work that we support. And so that is really, really rewarding. So 
um, it makes all the emails worth. <laughs> yes, a lot of a lot of emails, a lot of meetings. But you know, I just have to say, Simone, as an insider, seeing this transition happen, um, I mean, I it just is so has been so organic and just so easy to have you come into this role and. You've just provided so much value already and working with all five of our partner organizations, all of our committees, really helping us understand, like, what are we doing well? What can we do better? You know, and like you were saying earlier, um, coastal land loss does not stop for any reason. Um, and the hurricanes do not stop for any reason. And so the work that we're doing is so important, so urgent. And so I think, you know, we're just so lucky to have you in this position leading us into 2022 with some big work and milestones ahead. And and as sad as it is to kind of have Steve Cochran move on from this role, I, I shall say, because I, I still I work at EDF, I still see Steve in meetings and we, we connect. <laughs> so he's he's not that far. But um no one there's really no one who who could have come into this role as easily and seamlessly and kind of and hit the ground running on day one than you. And so we're all very lucky and looking forward to what the new year and the new years bring with your leadership. Thank you. Thank you very much. I, like I said, the um, I thought I knew a lot. And then as I get deeper and deeper, uh, my appreciation just really grows for the amazing folks that we have on staff and and the work that we do, frankly. And so I am excited to talk about, you know, that in reflection, too. And, and again, to talk about what's ahead. But, you know, Jacques, you know, I come from a part of the world um, that was devastated right after after this hurricane season. And I want to make sure that we acknowledge that, too. And, and the place where I used to work at Restore Retreat is still um, having to um, see that every day. Um, the recovery process after a storm like Ida is so, so long. Um, we've reflected on that before about how it's really a marathon. And so many other people have moved on and and have tried to move forward. And so I want to make sure that we have a nod to those folks um, and their ongoing recovery and, and talk about how we can still support those folks in their um, time and need, which is frankly long-term. No, absolutely. And, you know, I think in many year, ways, 2021 will be about Hurricane Ida, right? And the, the devastation it brought to so many people across Louisiana. And I think you're exactly right that, you know, those needs as we head into the holidays, especially are ongoing and people are trying to rebuild their homes and kind of get their lives back in order. And we know that that takes many years and some people will never be the same, you know. Um, and so after the 2020 hurricane season, I think we all were hoping, OK, you know, Louisiana got it more than its fair share of storms. Like maybe this year will be a break. And then Ida came and it just showed that all it takes is one storm to just have such a devastating impact. So please, you know, as you are gathering with your family and friends over the holidays, keep those people in, you know, um, the Bayou region and, and Plaquemines Parish and the River Parishes um, and so many places that were devastated by Ida um, in your hearts and your minds and do what you can to help them. As a reminder, we have on our website, MississippiRiverDelta.org slash Ida. And there are a number of organizations that are still to this day doing work to help families and people recover. Certainly want to give a shout out to Bless Your Heart um, and Jeray and the folks there who we've had on the show um, who are no doubt still down there doing a lot of good work to help people recover as we head into the holidays. But yeah, I mean, that was such a tough thing for our state to go through and for people to go through this year. And so 
um, yeah, we just have to keep them top of mind and keep working to help them rebuild and recover. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I'm glad that we still have our resource page up. And just a reminder, we highlighted um, certainly down the bayou in, in Lafourche and Terrebonne, um, folks in Pointe-Chan, Ironton, Grand Bayou Village. And so um, I'm glad that we still kept that up. And I hope our work at MRD continues to help protect and restore those folks as we move forward. I know um, it'll be top of mind on, on my agenda too. So, Absolutely. Well, let's talk a little bit, you know, if we can, um, about some of the significant milestones that happened in the past year on, on Louisiana's coast. I mean, certainly, I guess if we just talk about Ida, um, as devastating as it was for so many communities, there's also a part of the story in Ida that investments made in Louisiana's coast in restoration and protection actually resulted in their Ida being less damaging to certain parts of the state. So Simone, tell us a little bit about that. I mean, you know, how did Ida show that like, hey, we need these investments now more than ever and we need more of them in more places? Yeah, that is a really hard thing to kind of confront is that um, everything we had in place made it not as bad because it was bad, right? You know, and in the kind of storm and the way that it came, um, we didn't see the devastating floods as, as we had previously seen. It obviously was a huge wind event and those kinds of things. Um, so, so two things on that front. One um, is that, um, of, of the, you know, the New Orleans protection system held um, and that, that, you know, $15 billion investment that the federal government and the people of Louisiana made um, stood its ground. Uh, it proves that we need to keep it up. We need to operate it properly. We need to maintain it properly. Um, but it did its job in terms of protecting investments. Um, some of the areas that were devastated by, you know, water, especially, um, they did not yet have total completion of some of their levees, um, or, or there's some definitely some lessons to learn there. And um, thankfully, there was a down payment already made um, to some of that federal recovery dollars to help us out there. And um, we'll be looking to our um, congressional delegation and others to put even more investment towards those vulnerable communities um, that were devastated or remain vulnerable um, in future storms. That's for sure. Um, I know I've heard, um, you know, Chairman Klein and others talk about when they um, surveyed the damage after Ida that the um, restoration projects that were put in place held up really well, including some right along the coast. Um, West Bell Pass is immediately adjacent to Port Fouchon. Um, that held up really well. Um, there were some other um, uh, dredge projects, marsh creation projects that held up really well. And so um, we need to stand on that and, and use that as we look towards the future about how investments we make um, protect us today, but also into the future. So um, we'll be looking to examples like that when we seek additional federal funding, um, either through the infrastructure package um, or through any other um, future federal funding sources there. So um, yeah, Ida, Ida put us through the test and, and in many, many ways we passed it also highlighted some areas of um, where we need some more work to be done. Well, speaking of work, you know, even through the pandemic, even through a devastating hurricane, um, the state Coastal Protection Restoration Authority and others work to implement um, and are in the process of implementing more coastal restoration projects. Um, so just a few to, to highlight in 2021. 
um, the Terrebonne Basin Barrier Island and Beach Nourishment Project. So uh, the Trinity East Island portion of the project was finished this year, and then two additional islands, Timbalier and Westbell Pass, are to be completed next year. So that's, again, that really important first line of defense from storm surge um, that, you know, the state has done so much to restore some of the barrier islands in that region. Yeah, I mean, obviously, again, first line of defense, we talked about that and and um, Westbell Pass, which was under construction, held up pretty well. Um, and and we were really good at, at doing some of those barrier island projects. So that's, again, a place where we just need to keep up and keep the path right of of um, putting forward those first lines of defense. I know that there were a couple of other marsh creation projects like um, Golden Triangle. Um, there's continued progress there, and that's expected to be complete in mid-2022. Um, uh, and then Northwest Turtle Bay Marsh Creation um, is a project um, that includes existing and planned projects in the Barataria Basin Land Bridge. So that's good news there as well. There's a few other marsh creation projects um, that are moving forward, including one on the New Orleans Land Bridge. Um, and all of that, Jacques, we hope will be nourished and supported through us reconnecting to the river, right? That's ultimately our goal to be able to help us sustain some of those marsh creation projects. And so we also made significant progress on both Mid-Barataria, Mid-Breton, Maurepaw. Um, and so we're looking to some of those projects uh, for long-term sustainability as well. Absolutely. So yeah, in, in 2021, there were some milestones um, for some of those projects, particularly for Mid-Barataria, um, Mid-Barataria sediment diversion on the west bank of the river going into the Barataria Basin. Um, and this project, you know, the Army Corps of Engineers released their draft environmental impact statement for the project, kind of highlighting, um, you know, its preferred alternative and, and kind of giving the public an opportunity to engage, to ask questions, um, provide comments and feedback that will go into a final environmental impact statement um, that I believe we expect in um, a few years, right? Not not too long next from year. now. Next, next year. year. Wow. Okay. It'll be here next year. <laughs> now um, I have to think about my numbers on that one. Yes. yes. Um, but, you know, that was, you know, a huge moment for the coast. There was certainly a lot of conversation in the media and in um, opinion pieces and others um, with people saying, you know, really how important this project is to our future, right? And and as you said, Simone, to sustaining those other investments that have been made in um, restoration and protection and providing a vital line of defense um, from our uh, from storms and sea level rise for communities. And so I think we saw that, you know, in terms of post Ida, the impact that Ida had on the loss of wetlands. Um, you know, although it's very preliminary estimates, um, USGS indicated it could be up to about a hundred square miles of land that was lost as a result of Ida, you know, and, and working with Dr. Alicia Renfro at the National Wildlife Federation and others, you know, we've done a lot to explain what, what that loss is, like the, the flotant marsh, if you will. And one of the things that Alicia points to and others point to is it's an issue of lack of sediment, where, where wetlands are not sustained with sediment regularly and they're not healthy. Um, they're a lot more susceptible to loss during hurricanes. Um, and so, you know, we went out to areas on the east bank of the river that are reconnected to the river, you know, areas like Mardi Gras Pass and Fort St. Philip, and the wetlands there actually held up pretty well. And the difference is that they have a regular supply, a steady supply of sediment. And this is based on research that's been done, 
you know, by Dr. Alex Kolker out at Qubits Gap and, and on, in the Wax Lake Delta. So I think in so many ways, it showed how vital projects like Mid-Veritaria, Mid-Breton are to the future of our region and why we need to get them built soon so we can have that regular sustainable supply of sediment over time and, and keep our wet, wetlands healthy and growing. Yeah, so so many times we we overlook that when we do talk about reconnecting to the river, it's about ecosystems, it's about healthy marsh, but really what that equates to Jacques is is hurricane protection and that is a really important driver to the diversions is is creating that buffer and doing that. And so sometimes I I have to um kind of fuss myself about not talking about that enough about how much Mid-Barataria will protect um, those now even more vulnerable communities along the West Bank and in in the Upper Barataria Basin from these storms. And so um, that's what we want to do. We want to reconnect the river. We want to build that back. We do want to create healthy ecosystems and marshes, but we also also want to protect those communities and, and provide that buffer that, um, frankly, has been missing as that as that basin has continued to deteriorate. And so, we did reach a, a really significant milestone, and we learned um, how we can communicate during these different times. They did open houses. They what well, was virtual? Um, how to submit comments? They had translations available to allow more accessibility when it came to. Um, folks that maybe don't speak English first. And so they had over 50,000 comments. A lot of those folks um, are supporters of that project. We we hear that, you know, a lot of people will tell us maybe in day to day that they support this work. And um, but but now we have 50,000 comments um, to double check that. We also, you know, double checked it through some polling results um, and some things like that, just to make sure that we're ground truthing that people um, believe in these projects and believe that investing in these projects is really um, what the future of Louisiana means. Yeah, no, it's it's so important. And it reminds me of a conversation I had with a friend while I was in uh, New Orleans and he lives in Algiers. And, you know, he just said it was, it was kind of a wake up call for him. He's like, I can't have Barataria at my back door, you know, and, and that's that's yeah. true if you live in those parts of, mm-hmm. of Algiers and the West Bank and certainly in other parts of uh, of uh, on the East Bank, too. And so I think it really showed people how valuable our, our wetlands are and how much we need that natural buffer for our future. I mean, you brought up the poll. The poll was actually conducted before Ida. Um, so I would say that these numbers would only increase with people's awareness of the storm and of wetlands. I mean, that's what we've seen in prior polls that have happened after hurricanes. I mean, we asked, even if Louisiana can't restore its coast to its prior footprint, do you think the state should still work to do as much as it can to maintain as much coastal land as possible? 97% agreed. Um, And, you know, our pollsters, Global Strategy Group, you know, they said, and prior pollsters have said this too, you never see numbers like that. It just speaks to how much Louisianans care about this issue and how important our coasts and our wetlands are um, to our future. I I couldn't agree more. You know, you never see numbers like that. Um, Certainly 97% of my own family can't agree where to eat dinner, right? You know, and things like that. But it's really important for us to have that gut check when we do our work. Um, We are doing it for these communities 
Um, we want to listen to the communities. We want to make sure that they're getting the resources that we need and we'll continue to develop those like our, our handbook. Um, that was a great little addition to our repertoire of, of um, okay, wait, what agency is dealing with that? And so we will continue to help develop those resources for the community Obviously, that's ultimately what we're doing this for. And so um, things like the poll, things like commenting on these projects, um, that's our gut check to make sure that um, that we're supporting the things that are best for the entire community, while also taking a look at those more vulnerable or disadvantaged communities as well. I think that's something that we'll um, certainly look ahead to in 2022 is making sure um, that we're being inclusive and that all communities are part of the process and are being communicated with and to and and having that dialogue with some of these um, leaders and stakeholders um, that are kind of shaping our coastal future. Yeah. And I think, I mean, your point earlier about accessibility and helping people engage in the comment process and understand those processes um, is certainly really important and something that I hope we continue to build on in the future. Um, and you mentioned the handbook, so I have to let folks know um, you can go to MississippiRiverDelta.org slash handbook, and that is the online version of the handbook. You can also request a physical copy um, so on that cute. page. I love it. So, yeah. And then our poll is available at, um, if you go to MississippiRiverDelta.org and just search for kind of Coastal Poll 2021, you can find it. Um, but Simone, have to talk a little bit about some other, um, you know, big wins that have happened uh, in, in 2021. Certainly on the policy side, we've highlighted this recently, but you had both at the federal and the state level um, some significant ad advancements um, in, in funding. Um, we recently highlighted the infrastructure bill with Senator Cassidy and the funding that will come to Louisiana for coastal restoration and resilience as a result of that. Um, at the same time, on the state legislative side, you had passage of another annual plan, um, it, which dedicated $880 million to 125 active projects that will benefit over 57,000 acres of vulnerable wetlands and 109 miles of levees. So um, certainly a big win. And of course, we expect next year's annual plan to be significant as well. Yeah, yeah. It's so funny because you can't help but doing that, right? You know, you look back at the annual plan, $880 million. I mean, it's nothing to sneeze at, that's for sure. And then you're like, yeah, but this year, this year's going to top a billion dollars, Jock, a billion with a B. Um, and that is money that we know of and not money that we necessarily even have to compete for, um, which we'll see um, probably even more of that coming um, on the federal level. And so um, next year is just going to be busier than ever, hopefully more productive than ever. And um, and frankly, we have to be on our game. Um, I think that we coastal is always a place where um, they can receive surplus dollars from the state. Um, that's something that we have to keep our eye on as well. And so it's this um, this like great job, but don't let up kind of, um, you know, scenario. So, um, yeah, significant wins in Louisiana legislature. And we, we have some really great coastal champions working on that. Um, and then also, as you mentioned, talking to Senator Cassidy about um, what was included in the infrastructure package and what Louisiana stands to expect for some other federal funding sources as well. So well, can't keep our eye off of that. 
Certainly. And I, you know, I have an observation and then a question for you. And so my sure. observation is, is, what? is... This is my show too. I'm confused yes. by this. But yes. Okay. Go ahead, Jock. So my observation in my, in my role at EDF, I actually do get to do a little bit of work in other coastal states, um, you know, that are working to help communities address impacts from sea level rise, from flooding, um, from hurricanes. Um, and it's just really interesting perspective to see that and compare it to Louisiana. And one thing that I've noticed is all of these states are looking to Louisiana and what they've done with the coastal master plan with the significant amount of dedicated funding going to coastal restoration and protection to help protect communities and infrastructure and businesses and ecosystems. And they're like, how do we do that? How do we get you know, a plan that is that advanced, that is that based in science, that is that large scale and comprehensive? And how do we fund it to get projects built today, you know? And so I've been able to see recently, I think- You're not um, telling them the secret sauce, are you? <laughs> we're not telling them the secret sauce, but, you know, certainly saying you need to look to Louisiana um, as a model. And I think leaders at Louisiana's Coastal Protection and Restoration Authority, certainly um, Louisiana's Chief Resilience Officer, Charles Sutcliffe, has done a lot to connect with these these other people, you know, in other states, as well as globally to kind of share some of those best practices, right? And it was kind of like what Senator Cassidy said about his colleague, um, Senator Whitehouse, and kind of being able to pull resources um, to advocate for these for this work and these needs. Um, but again, you know, Virginia recently released a coastal resilience master plan, New Jersey, Florida have, North Carolina is going to do so, um, you know, sh- soon we expect. And so my observation is just, you know, in seeing how much Louisiana has done and how innovative it's been and how much of a leader it's been on these issues. And as a local boy, I'm very proud. Um, you should be. And, and it's, it's just a really remarkable job. So kudos and congratulations to everyone who puts in so much work and who has for, you know, decades at this point almost to kind of get us to this point. So that leads me to my next question, Simone. <laughs> is it a fun, is it a fun it's, question? It's sort of a fun <laughs> So you've worked in this space for 17 years. I mean, did you ever Are you going to imagine... say that like over and over again? Yes, shock, 17 years. That's what it was. Back when you were little, Simone, right, uh, 17 you. years ago. Um, a decade you know, and a half as, Yeah, executive director of Restore Retreat. Do you ever, did you ever think you would be in a position where you'd see Louisiana, you know, on the cusp of implementing not only a billion dollars towards its coast, but some of the largest ecosystem restoration projects in the world. I told this story yesterday, Jacques, when somebody was kind of asking me about my background is that when I I took the job at Restore Retreat, I couldn't even believe that was somebody's full-time job. It's it's just to work on that all day, that, you know, this awareness of how big of an issue that it was, that this needed to be somebody's sole job to work on the policy and the science and the communication around that every day and and to see how far that has come since then. It's it's a little hard because you're in it and you're in the thick of it. And, and it's hard sometimes to um, put your head up and kind of realize, you know, where you've been. Um, but Jacques, I'm with you. I could not be more proud of the fact that Louisiana has a world-class master plan that is going on yet another iteration in, in, in 2023, talking about how we are going to prioritize our coastal investments, um, that we have invested billions of dollars here in Louisiana on something that's that helps to secure our future. Um, that is hardly a headline that is ever said. 
um, that, you know, Louisiana has wisely invested billions of dollars to, to do something. And and to think, Jacques, that it's not really over. It's only really just beginning. Um, we have so much more work to do. We have so much great work that has already been done. Um, but we have so much more work to do. Frankly, the money's going to run out. It, it is. And we have to think about how we um, can continue to secure those funds how we prioritize projects, um, looking at that. We have to continue to balance the need for protection and restoration. Um, we have to figure out how we can balance reconnecting the river with the needs of our working coast. And then finally, you brought this up. This was a new layer, a new dimension to some of my new work, frankly, is Louisiana released its um, portfolio on climate actions and strategies and priorities, right? That is something totally different and and new and almost strange coming out of Louisiana. And so it has been intriguing to engage on that. I'm looking forward to having um, some folks on the show in the very near future to talk through um, that with us a little bit more. But, but what a huge step for our state to not only build on this world-class master plan that we have, which will invest billions of dollars in the next decades, but to also lean in on climate action and strategies and what we could be doing as a state um, to also change the course of our future in that way as well. Yeah, I'm so glad you brought that up. And it's certainly in reviewing the year, um, certainly a very top. Um, news item and kind of milestone for Louisiana. Um, it's not over. It's not done. You know, there's a lot of work ahead in 2022. Um, and we can dedicate and will dedicate entire shows to discussing it, right? And discussing its importance and relevant relation to, to our coast and our coastal communities and, and kind of helping them, um, you know, have a future where there's, you know, l- lower rates of sea level rise, where there's less pollution, where there's things like that, that um, are as important as kind of some of the investments that are being made in, in coastal restoration and adaptation. So I certainly want to talk about that they're and not, into as, that as, in 2022. Right way to say it, they're not mutually exclusive, right? They right. need to be happening together. And and we need to be thinking about as many of those things as possible as, as we build towards the future of Louisiana that we want. That's a great way to say it. Well, Simone, I mean, I certainly hope that you and everyone who's listening um, take the next week and a half, few weeks before the new year, get some rest, some downtime. No, this is the quiet time where you can do your work, <laughs> yeah, right? Exactly. <laughs> you don't have everyone bugging you. So you're like, I can actually get things done. Um, well, I personally will be taking time off and just Good. relaxing, hanging out with Winnie. If you could do my sort of Christmas stuff. shopping for me, I'd appreciate that. Thanks. <laughs> I know. TikTok. But yeah, I've also <laughs> had to go the route of a lot of online shopping and gift cards this year. And you know what? That's okay. You do it whatever is. you got to do mm-hmm. for yourself. Um, but I guess, Simone, before we head into our Coastal Voice of the Week and Coastal Stat of the Week, um, I don't know, should we do fun questions for each other? Oh, yes. Okay, let's do it. Okay. Who wants to, you want to go first or you want me to go first? I'll go first. I'll go first. Okay. Um, what was your favorite Christmas gift as a as a little Jacques? Oh my gosh. I have to like dust off the cobwebs on that one. Um, I guess I really loved, um, I remember having like 
Oh, well, I liked video games when I was younger. I mean, I'm like, what kid? Really? That yeah. kind of surprises me. <laughs> um, and I remember I, I had, I mean, I'm speaking of dating yourself. I had the original Nintendo, right? With, uh, mm. um, you know, Mario and Mario Brothers. And then I, I moved on to Sega. And so I remember when I got oh. Sega, um, that was a really big deal. And, and playing like uh, Street Fighter and Mortal Kombat and all this <laughs> Sonic the Hedgehog. So that was cool. Cause I felt like when I had like, when I got my Sega for, from Santa, that was like, I had made it as a, you know, whatever, seven, eight year old boy. A gamer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> a breakaway gamer. <laughs> I remember getting these like, goofy slippers and i know that sounds funny but they were just like um yeah these slippers i remember and just being like my cozy little christmas slippers so um i don't know i have to think more about what oh roller skates i remember when i got roller skates that that was a really cool gift um so i guess how about you what was the best gift you ever received uh for christmas um so this will come as no shock to you but i was the kid that would wake up super, super early, go in our living room where, where Santa had laid our toys out. I would go through mine and then go through my sister's. I would go through theirs too. And then I would go wake them up and be like, Gabby, you got a guitar, like totally ruin it. Um, and so, um, that was not the brightest. I was the baby that there were some excuses built into that, but, um, you know, in hindsight, that was probably not, you know, the best thing to do as the little sister, but, um, so you opened their Christmas presents. So our, our Santa did not wrap. Um, okay, and so okay. they were displayed. And so, um, it made it easier for, um, I'm like a big spoiler person, right. You know, so I'm just like, you need to get up or I'm going to tell you what you're <laughs> going to get. Right. So, um, but Santa used to give us a, um, what we call the sister gift. And so we all shared a gift. And so, um, it depended, you know, on what year it was, but we had a note on our chimney one year that Santa couldn't fit what it was down the chimney and we had to go looking for it. And so we looked everywhere. We made my dad pull down the attic stairs and Jacques, we looked so long, we kind of gave up. And like we moved on, you know, and then we opened the back door. This was like, you know, hours later, opened the back door and there was a go-kart. <gasps> and so, uh... <laughs> so uh, we shared a go-kart. Um, my two sisters got in a fight and wrecked it into the um, fence post and they got punished and things like that. But that oh, no. that was always um, one memory that stands out was the sister gift, which was cool. Um, but then also the the finding it and, and that kind of stuff. So it was fun. So that's that's the gift I always wanted, but never mm-hmm. got. You know, growing up in Braithwaite, there were a lot of four wheelers and three wheelers and go karts. <laughs> um, just like mom, just like Homa, right? Rural Homa. Yeah, so. Exactly. My mom never would never allow me to have one for whatever mm-hmm. reason. I think she's worried about safety, but you know, I would just find friends that had four wheelers yeah, and go right, karts right, and right. we would go all over. And probably not a good thing that we were like going all over the levees and stuff. I don't know about the levee, like security. If the, Army Corps of Engineers, yes. if the Army Corps of Engineers is uh, is listening, I'm sorry if we tore up your levees a little bit, but it was certainly fun to just like go all out and, and kind of, that was my mm-hmm. first real introduction into kind of our coastal environment was four wheeling on the levees behind Braithwaite. So, um, all right, well, let's do the coastal voice of the week. Um, how about I do the coastal voice and you can okay. do the coastal stats. So sure. our last coastal voice of 2021 comes from Sierra in Morgan City, Louisiana. And Sierra says, 
I support the coast because of its economic, historical, and cultural significance. It's short and sweet, but you know, couldn't have said it better. So thank you, Sierra. And a reminder, you can go to MississippiRiverDelta.org slash restore dash the dash coast and submit your voice. And we might just share it on an episode in 2022. Yes. And so our coastal stat of the week comes from Country Roads Magazine, um, which featured a project officially titled the New Orleans Land Bridge Shoreline Stabilization and Marsh Creation Project. This undertaking initiated by the Coastal Wetlands Planning Protection and Restoration Act is estimated to cost $25.4 million with the goal of utilizing sediment dredge from the floors of Lake Pontchartrain and Lake St. Catherine to create 169 acres of marshland to nourish 102 more and to enhance, uh, and, and to enhance over 15,000 linear feet of shoreline in two targeted locations on the New Orleans land bridge. You know, Jacques, we throw out a lot of stat, stats sometimes in the Coastal Stat of the Week, but think about that. 169 acres of marshland to nourish 102 more and 15,000 linear feet of shoreline um, just in this one project. So things like that, sometimes you got to think about a little bit more and to talk about the size and scale of the projects. And, you know, we talk about $25 million projects like it's nothing. And so, but those are really significant, especially for those communities protected by the New Orleans Land Bridge. Yep. Highly recommend folks check out that feature in Country Road Ma- Country Roads Magazine. It, uh, it makes includes- me sing Country Road. <laughs> <laughs> Take me home. Um, it, it includes some of our friends, um, you know, Amanda Moore with National Wildlife Federation, um, you know, Barbara Johnson with the Great Delta Tours, Arthur um, Johnson with uh, CSED in the Lower Ninth Ward. Um, all former guests on the podcast, but they do such a great job communicating not just like the stats of the project, but why that project's needed. And like you were saying, Simone, in terms of protecting communities from storm surge, you know, Arthur's like, this land bridge, NASA is on this land bridge, Folgers is (laughs) on this land bridge. The economic (laughs) assets and investments here are so important and the jobs that they provide. Um, And then of course, you know, um, in protecting and helping to nourish the ecosystem in that area and, and controlling salinity flows and those sorts of things. So really worth checking out um, that article. And yeah, well, Simone, I cannot believe this is our last episode of 2021. It's been a wild year, but there's no one else I'd rather be on it with than (laughs) on the ride with than you. So congrats to everything. Um, I hope you do actually get some rest and relax over the break. You're not working the whole time. I do. I do think that, um, uh, just one thing you went even talking about the land bridge made me think about things we didn't even discuss. Arthur hosted the EPA administrator and took him on a on a kayak trip. Um, Mandy and some other partners, um, Sam Carter and and others, t- took out dozens and dozens of people on field trips. We resume plantings again. I mean, it's it's wild, Jock, to think about. And we talked here almost, you know, 45 minutes and we didn't even cover some of the biggest stuff. So talking about next year, looking forward to um, even more field trips, visits, um, federal officials um, taking stakeholders out. We have the annual plan coming in January. We're going to have a legislative session that will decide on hopefully some dollars towards coastal We'll have the release of the Mid-Barataria EIS in its final form. Um, And we have so many more projects that will be coming online, um, be, um, you know, shovel ready, um, be cutting some ribbons 
um, and some things like that. So definitely looking forward to 2022. Yeah, I think this was the mantra we used at the end of 2020 going into 2021, but I think it applies. (laughs) (laughs) It certainly applies here, right? Can't stop, won't stop. Um, Can't stop. And I think we, we saw kind of what the stakes are this year. And so, um, Get some rest, everyone, and we will be back in 2022. But until then, thank you all for listening. Thank you to our guests um, for you know another great year of Delta Dispatches, and we look forward to bringing you more episodes uh, in the new year. But until then, um, thank you again. Have a very Merry Christmas, um, Happy New Year, um, Happy Holidays, and until then, we will see y'all later, alligators. <laughs>